Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. I am excited to be sharing with you our latest sermon from our Love Your Neighbor sermon series. Um, it's a good one and I'm excited for us to get to that. But uh, first let me, I just got to apologize for this late post. You know, we're, we're part of trying to do this rhythm of Monday mornings uh, sermon, uh, Thursday mornings uh, conversations. But uh, some of you know, uh, this weekend was a, uh, it felt like a whirlwind for me. Um, my grandmother passed away last week um, on July uh, 11, and uh, she lived a long and happy and healthy life. Uh, she uh, had some Alzheimer's in the end, and uh, we, we navigated the, the uh, grief around that. But um, her, her funeral was on Saturday, July 17th. So early that morning, I uh, went to... Uh, the uh, I went to New Jersey. I took a red eye here from Seattle. Uh, flew over to uh, Newark, New Jersey. Uh, went straight from the airport to the service. I had the privilege to be uh, one of the speakers and uh, got to be with my extended family as we uh, celebrated her life. Um, and then uh, turned right back around and went to Newark uh, to come home, uh, come back to Seattle, uh, and to uh, be uh, with my community and with my church on Sunday morning. Um, I'm sitting there in Newark and uh, all. All of a sudden, you just hear this thunder rolling, and soon after, you see the lightning uh, just strike. Um, uh, and and you know those big windows in, in airports, you just see everything, and and you know you could tell that uh, uh, with every minute of more uh, lightning, uh, this would not be a smooth ride home. And so uh, my flight eventually gets canceled. Um, I'm grateful for uh, the blessing uh, to be with my uh, uh, parents and my brother a little bit longer. Um, but I definitely missed uh, my family here at home and and my church community um, not being able to be with them on uh, on Sunday. And so. Uh, give a big shout out to uh, Pastor Kristen Joyner. Uh, she is our pastor of community engagement who uh, stepped in, who who uh, shared a really great reflection on our text for this for uh, for Sunday, Isaiah forty three, and, and and then uh, you'll hear. Um, a uh, a conversation that I had pre-recorded with uh, uh, Jerry uh, Allen Leslie. Uh, Allen Leslie is uh, the creative director of uh, Diverse Harmony Youth Choir. Uh, Diverse Harmony is the oldest uh, LGBTQIA plus youth choir uh, in the nation uh, uh, for for youth who are LGBTQIA plus youth and allies. And uh, we here at Bothell United Methodist Church had the privilege of uh, hosting them uh, for our National Coming Out Day concert uh, two years ago. And so we've uh, developed this relationship. We're looking forward to uh, partnering with them again when we can uh, gather back in person and sing. Um, but uh, we wanted to really highlight what it means to love your neighbor, uh, especially when they are LGBTQIA plus youth. And so uh, check out this sermon again. Uh, sorry for being uh, late. You know, we try to get into this rhythm of uh, Monday morning's uh, sermon, Thursday mornings um, conversations, but today because of uh, my travel schedule, we weren't able to do that. So uh, big props to our producer and all who were part of uh, making this Sunday a, a, a great worshipful experience. Check out uh, the sermon uh, in the Love Your Neighbor series as we talk about LGBTQIA plus youth. Check it out. Pastor Kristen, I serve as the pastor of community engagement here at Bothell United Methodist Church. Funny story about being called. 
I knew on Saturday afternoon when I got a text from Joe, (laughs) and I didn't answer, and then I got a phone call from Joe that I didn't answer. It's not that I didn't answer because I meant to not answer. I wasn't around. Then I got another text. I knew something was up. So, Joe, I'm sorry you're stuck in uh, wherever you are this morning. We're glad you're here. Hope you're having a happy birthday, and I'm glad to be here today. Um, We are well into this sermon series where we've heard from members of our community on how they live into their faith, leaning into learning more about their neighbors and how they walk alongside people in their journeys as they love their neighbors. So in today's scripture from Isaiah 43, we hear the prophetic words reminding the people of Israel who they are. The people had been exiled to Babylon. So who were they now? Who were the people now that things had changed and everything around them was different? They were being ignored. They were afraid. They were pushed aside. They were forgotten. Where was the hope? And so during this painful time, they were reminded God had not abandoned them. In the very first verse, But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name, you are mine. Notice who God is. God is creator. God creates form. God is redeemer. God calls you mine. God does this to people who are dismissed. God does this for people who are ignored. God does this to people when people don't do it for one another. God summons us by name, all of us, and this is sacred worth for all. Our culture has put limits on gender and sexuality. And it has been and it continues to be harmful. These limits don't come from a God who creates us in God's image and summons us by name. This is why we intentionally name every Sunday and we affirm that people who are lesbian, bi, gay, trans, queer are sacred, are God's people. They are a part, like everyone, of that beautiful, limitless, created in God's image, humanness. We name people because they've heard otherwise. We want to be abundantly clear that God is for those whom society deems as unlikely. And here the prophet, when you walk through fire, and you will walk through fire, remember the prophet is speaking to those who have been pushed aside. God will drastically and aggressively protect. The fire won't burn them. The river won't sweep them. Precious and honored, whom God called by name, the people who were powerless, hear that they were created for God's glory formed and made by God. 
God will bring them from the east and the west and from all places, from afar, everyone who's called by God's name. If God does that, calls someone by name, brings them through the sweeping rivers, protects them from fire, calls them from the corners of the earth, how can we do any less? God is with our LGBTQ family and friends, and we're all there too. Allies cannot stand by and allow suffering, allow high rates of bullying, harm, suicide, and discrimination, even from our own church. God's story over and over again through scripture is not about care and redemption and love for those who are in power, those whom society deems important, those most likely to succeed. God's story is for us to learn acceptance and empowering those who need to hear it most. To hear God call you by name. Aaron, Don, Nancy, Howard, Jeremy, Jeff, Alan, Karen, Evan, Trevor. When we hear the stories and vulnerability of those who have been pushed aside, those who are afraid, our call is to intentionally respond with that transformative love and grace that we have been offered and we have experienced. Today we're going to hear from Alan Leslie. We're going to hear Alan's story about uh, developing the Diverse Harmony musical company. This is an LGBTQ plus supporting community of young musicians, and we're going to listen to him now. My name is Alan Leslie, and I have been teaching in Shoreline School District for, let's see, this is my 27th year. I was actually born and raised in this area. I'm one of the actual original Seattleites. Um, uh, went through the Shoreline School District, where I now teach. So I um, have a long history with Shoreline School District, um, and uh, that's who I am. Uh, do you claim a faith background or a religion, or do you identify yourself with any? I do. I have been a United Methodist choir director for many, many years. Um, in fact, I started out at uh, Woodland Park United Methodist, and I've, I've been the director there. I've been the director at uh, Sandpoint United Methodist and Aldersgate United Methodist, and retired my career from there in terms of being a church choir director. Yeah. And when we first met, actually, I forgot that we had met actually at Aldersgate first. Yes, you were subbing. <laughs> That's right. I was, uh, I was coming in, you were on your way out, we yeah. crossed paths briefly, um, but after that, we had an opportunity to partner together um, through your work with Diverse Harmony. And so mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit about uh, the work of Diverse Harmony? What is it and what is it try to accomplish? Well, Diverse Harmony is a group that works with uh, 14 to 18 year olds, um, basically LGBTQ and Alliance. So you can be straight, you can be gay, however you identify. Um, it's meant to be a, build a community of, of um, youth that support and are there for each other in where, however they identify and whatever they're going through. So to build a loving, loving supportive um, community of youth. 
And how long has it been uh, in existence? It has. It is the oldest youth uh, LGBTQ uh, I plus uh, group in the nation. So it's wow. been here for a good 20 years. I have been with them since 2018 as their artistic director. Wonderful. And since 2018, we met in 2019 again um, because uh, we here at Bothell, we were trying to figure out what does it look like uh, to be allies and to be supporting of the LGBTQ community um, as a part of our identity of becoming Christ in the community. We wanted to make sure that everybody understands and knows there's a sense of welcoming and belonging. And so October was rolling around and we were thinking, you know, what can we do to really partner alongside um, groups that are doing amazing work? And we got in touch with you all about putting on a National Coming Out Day concert. Uh, can you go back a little bit and think about uh, and remember and reflect on uh, the concert and the times leading up and maybe after? Yeah, we, we were getting ready to um, do our first concert together as a group and um, so we were putting that together and it was really about love and acceptance. Um, they really, the students, or I think of them as students because I'm a teacher, but really it's a community group, but um, so our members really helped in writing that so it had a really personal touch to it. There were stories that really came from their own experiences of coming out and, and being out and um, supporting their friends and their neighbors in their community who were going through that process and it was really special because it just didn't all come from me it came as a real collaborative effort and that's really how I like to work especially with youth is because I feel like that really gives them the ownership to really you know express what they're going through and understanding um, the pain and the grief of others through their own experience and I thought it was a really powerful concert we had a great time so often um, the church has been a place of, uh, of hurt, of, of sorrow. Uh, in, in fact, just plainly saying, the church has done a lot of harm uh, to the LGBTQI community and, and including youth. Um, and I wonder what some of the uh, emotions or some of the perceptions was for your members to uh, say, hey, we're going to do a preview concert at a church. What was that like? You know, honestly, it was really hard. It was really hard. We had to have, I would say, an entire um, rehearsal session just talking about that and talking about what it means to come into the church, being the group that we are. Um, they know my background and, and they know that I have been a United Methodist um, choir director and that's part of my journey as well is I felt like when I was about 22, 23 and I started, you know, being or uh, working as a United Methodist choir director, um, that that would be part of my mission is to just be, you know, come and be myself direct these choirs in an open, being open about who I am and who my husband is and that I'm a gay man and that we're just people like everybody else, you know, and that we have things to offer and that there's really nothing that special or different about being a gay person. And so we talked a lot about that, you know, in terms of I, that conversation I had with the youth was really about that's been how I felt like I could make the most difference for them and that this is how they could continue doing that, making that kind of difference is just to be present and be there and not shy away from it and walk into a church and be yourself and be your own charming, wonderful selves that they all are. And talented. And talented. Yes. yes. Um, what was some of the conversations after the concert? 
they really had a great time and they felt that like especially um both united methodists were really opening every everybody was so nice and 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 helpful and um that they really felt welcomed here so that was really special to me to hear knowing you know coming from this background why do you do what you do why, why do you invest? You have you have your job. You're, you're a teacher during the day. You, yeah. you teach music in the Shoreline School District. And, 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 and I know how much, especially in the past 20 months of, of COVID and virtual teaching, and yet you continue to give of yourself to these groups, especially this group of young people who um, are brought together in community. Why do you do what you do? I felt... For me personally, um, getting involved in the church uh, as a youth minister, which is, or not really a youth minister, but as a minister, music minister, um, that what I wanted to see happen was for everybody to have the right to love who they want to love and marry who they want to marry. And um, there's just so many benefits that come along with with marriage that, that we were not being able to access. Mm -hmm. And um, when we finally reached that goal and, and marriage became, you know, legal for everybody in, the, in the, all of the United States, um, I felt like I had accomplished something, just like I said, by being there and, um, and I was tired. And I wanted a chance to, to just kind of recoup. So I kind of retired from that for a while and um, just taught. And I think it was about maybe three or four years where I just taught and I didn't have a, another choir. Well, this opportunity came up where um, this youth choir came up and it really spoke to me. Their mission spoke to me in terms of helping youth um, accept and embrace creating community for youth, LGBTQ, um, I plus and just being part of that um, experience spoke to me. And I decided to come out of retirement and take on this new thing because really that mission was something different from my original reason why I was having two and three jobs mm. my entire career. And, and so that's really why I decided to, to become part of this group was because their, their mission statements spoke to me um, and I felt like I had skills that I might not have had at the beginning of my career that I, you know, after teaching for 27 years and, you know, every little boo-boo you have to kiss, I felt like I had the, the skills to kiss those boo-boos um, emotionally and in the heart and in the soul. I, I, I love that you brought up there's the legality and there's the, the, the structures that help bring about equality and justice. And then there's the cultural side of how do we open our hearts? Like the laws can say one thing mm -hmm. and still there are places uh, in our world, in our country, uh, even in churches that push people out based on identity. And, and so the work that you're doing and helping us through in even this conversation of understanding how we can open up our hearts to um, not only accept, but to affirm people of all gender identities and sexual orientations and to claim that uh, you too are a sacred, beloved child of God, uh, I think is, is, is that balance that we're trying to continue to uh, challenge ourselves and challenge society. Where do you see um, the church playing a role in reaching that vision of uh, belovedness? You have to be brave. Mm. 
You really have to be brave. I've met some people in the, in the United Methodist Church through my long career with them that were brave and were willing to put their careers on the line, put their jobs on the line. I was married by a United Methodist minister when that was not okay. Put, put, put their, you know, their career on the line. And, you know, that's where we're at as a community, as, as the church, to treat people like you would treat anybody else. I mean, and that's the thing is I think most LGBTQ people don't want to have to walk around with that on their sleeve all the time. We just want to be treated like everybody else is treated. And, you know, we don't have to treat us with kid gloves. You don't have to go out of your way to like tiptoe around. We just want to be treated normally like everybody else. And I think as I get older, as I'm, you know, I'm 56 at this point, um, and I'm thinking back on my life, especially as a young person, um, there was some scarring that was done. There was some real, there's some real wounds um, in terms of just what you go through. And it's subtle sometimes. It's very subtle how people treat you differently or they assume certain things. Um, and my way is always just to go after that. And I think as I get older, I'm starting to recognize that that, that not everybody has that fortitude to just fight. Mm. And fighting is tiring and fighting is exhausting. Um, and what I think a lot of people want is just acceptance and to be held. And like I said, to have your boo-boos kissed. Mm. And, and sometimes that community where, where you've got a community of people that are willing to embrace you and accept you and that you are, you're just one of the group and that that's not the main thing about you, that you're a human being and that your soul matters and that you're a child of God and that that's recognized and that, you know, you've got someone to hold your hand when things are tough and to talk things through when you need to talk. And so I guess that I don't know if I answered your question, but I think that the, that that experience of um, having some a community and having someone there for you is all that most LGBTQ people want. You know, we're in this uh, series called Love Your Neighbor, and we're, I think what I'm, I'm hearing, and I, I wanna bring us as we close, is about the intentionality of creating those spaces or those attitudes or those, um, uh, that, that, that sense of acceptance. It doesn't just happen. It's an idea that we have to intentionally make that conscious choice to say, I am going to love you. Mm -hmm. As you have been part of this uh, journey for your career, and as we stand on the legacies of those who've come before us, uh, just having celebrated Pride Month, as we look at you know the riots in Stonewall and, and, and others, and the, the legacy of Pride parades, where do you see hope in the next year, in the next five years? Where do you see hope as we uh, walk together towards this beloved community? I think that hope is really um, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. I think that it comes in little little places and, and little patches. There's little little havens and there's little secure places where you know you can be yourself and that you're going to be loved and accepted. And sometimes you think that you found that place and then something happens and it feels like the rug's been pulled out from underneath you. And so being aware, I think, you know, and, and that goes for not just 
LGBTQ community, but I think that goes for people of color and, you know, the, the rug's constantly being pulled out from people, but less so. And recognizing when you see somebody and they look like they've just had the rug pulled out from underneath them, I think people are getting more sensitive. I think the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, I'm married to a black man. Um, I recognize it in his face when he's afraid. And I think just for all of us to be able to see that and to recognize that in our, in our, our friends and our family and our loved ones and be there for them when they get the rug pulled out up from underneath it, that's where I see hope. I see the hope is coming because the awareness is starting to awaken and people are starting to understand that, you know, it's not that, 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 um, I know a lot of gay and lesbian pe people are in your face about it because they're fighting. But there's a lot of times they don't want to fight. They just want to be loved and accepted. And same with brown and black people. They're afraid sometimes and we just need to be there. And I think as a community, we're getting better at that. I'm Alan Leslie and I love my neighbor by listening. All right, so that was this week's sermon, uh, the next, the latest installment of Love Your Neighbor. Um, uh, thanks again to Pastor Kristen, uh, who shared that awesome reflection about uh, what it means to be called by name, uh, to see one another in the fullness of who God created them to be, uh, and to uh, uh, um, love people as sacred childs of God. And and, and then uh, that challenge from, from Alan, who, who uh, reminds us that um, uh, LGBTQIA plus youth and, and LGBTQIA community and allies have been uh, uh, in this fight for a long time. Um, and at some point, uh, uh, folks get tired and, and, and there is a need to uh, see and to love and to appreciate and to support and to know by name uh, um, uh, the community. And so uh, I'm gonna carry that as a challenge for me this week. I hope there was something that spoke to you that inspired you from this conversation. Um, stick around, we will try to get back on schedule for Thursday morning um, and, uh, and, and drop another episode then. But in the meantime, have a wonderful week and uh, we'll talk to you then.